Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy. And you already know, State of the New York Knicks podcast. This is episode 98. I just want to apologize because while me and Mr. Mitchell was recording this podcast, Inca app was acting stupid and I was at work not trying to get a write-up. So, yeah. So, at least two times, it just stops randomly. So, if you hear me saying, go ahead, um, go ahead again, I apologize. But... Back to the podcast segment. It's your boy Slizzy, State of the New York Knicks. You know what we're talking about. Devin Booker talk, a lot of other things. We're talking about a lot. Get into them. My God, my brother, Mr. Mitchell is in the building. State of the New York Knicks podcast. I've been sitting here for like five minutes. I'm excited that you joined the podcast finally. What's up, my brother? What's up, Mr. Mitchell? How you doing? This, it, it's been about two or three weeks. I don't know when the hell was the last time we spoke, brother, but how you doing, man? Yeah, doing, doing well, bro. Doing well. Yes, yeah, been been a little while. Um, as, as we all know, the world's been a bit of a crazy, crazy place the last, last several months. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot of news to get into. Uh, it seems like... Uh, uh, basketball and other certain sports are, are, are looking and finding ways that they're possibly coming back to return. So, um, yeah, so I'm getting excited now that we're actually getting something back on TV to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's been tough, bro. I mean, you know, we've been we've been recording these last couple of podcasts, and you know, we trying to we trying to get crumbs of information like every week, like. And we're trying to do our best to give the most information we got to Nick Nation. And, you know, so it's it's been hard, but it's been hard recording. But, you know, we we try it's our been, best, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely uh, it's definitely been different, obviously, uh, compared to last season where we were able to do a pod nearly every second day type thing because we had the basketball flowing. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been difficult. I guarantee for anybody else there doing basketball podcasts, it's been difficult for them because, you know, for quite some time uh, since since play shut down and the news kind of stopped for a while, then it, then it started trickling out every now and then. And now we're starting to get a bit more flow um, as I, I guess we're getting closer. To, uh, well, I think, what do they say, 19 days away now yep. from the first game. Um, so, yeah, ho- hopefully we could get some more pod going once the basketball's uh, up and running because we'll have more to talk about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you damn right, brother, because I'm dying without no basketball, brother. It, it, you know what's crazy? My, my, my girlfriend, right, when we, first, when we first met, it was last NBA season. It was last NBA season. And, you know, R.J. Barrett was balling. You know, I'm in a good mood. I don't care if the Knicks is losing. I'm in a good mood. I'm watching my Knicks. I'm watching basketball. So February comes around. This when COVID hits, my attitude goes down the drain. <laughs> and she noticed yeah. me. She said, you miss sports because you, your attitude is just so, you're so rude now. <laughs> and <laughs> since basketball is returning, now she's saying, oh, you've been so nice to me the past two months. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you, you, I needed basketball. Basketball is like my pillow. It's like my crutch. All sports is like my crutch, but especially basketball. Like it, it helps me get away 
and it helps me cope with life sometimes, man. Now it does. It does. We got a couple topics that we could tackle. I want you to start off. Which topic do you want to tackle first, my brother? Because we got a couple. Yeah, we've got a couple. Um, I, I reckon we should uh, start, obviously, with the draft. Um, the draft talk with Lamelo. Okay. Okay. Um, ob- obviously, uh, Knicks fans, if, you, if you've been reading the news or he- hear- hearing a bit of the news out there, um, it, it seems his, uh, his team, his father, um, is, is directing him and making sure that he gets uh, picked up by the Knicks and Knicks alone. Um, you know, from what I've been reading, and and this isn't this is uh, it's not the norm, but it's it, it has happened before. Uh, players getting picked in, in the drafts by teams that they they really don't want to play for, and, and they push uh, to to you know go to where they want to go for. Uh, Kobe Bryant being one uh, getting picked by Charlotte uh, didn't want to play for Charlotte, um, and uh-huh. got his way to get get to the Lakers. Um, I'm trying to think. Eli yeah, Eli Manning again Eli. in the NFL. Um, there, there was a Houston. I, I read it the other day. There was a Houston Rockets player as well. I don't know if it was Stevie Francis or, or someone along those lines. Or back in that day, they they also got picked by someone else and and got pushed to for the trade on draft night to the Rockets. Um, so yeah, it's not unheard of. Uh, and and even if I guess even if say we're in the top four picks, we don't have number one. I, I have this feeling that Lavard's going to turn other all the other teams off completely, so he just fall uh, his son just falls into our lap. Uh, we all know that that uh, point guard is, is a point of need for the Knicks, uh, and he he looks like now that he's jumped ahead of everybody on on their board. I guess he, he's at the top of their board, Lamelo Ball. Um, you know, obviously, still as a kid, there's still a little few question marks there, like like any prospect, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he he's a point guard. He's a big point guard. Um, he's got a lot of growing room. He's got a high ceiling. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, I think he'd be a really good pick. I, I've said for quite a while now that I I believe the Knicks needed to choose if we're at the top of the draft there, either him or, or Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems to me he's kind of separated himself a little bit from Edwards now when it pertains to the Knicks board anyway. So can I be objective? Because we, we, yeah. we both love LaMelo. I mean, we, we spoke about him before. <coughs> Everybody knows we love LaMelo on, on the state of New York Knicks. Everybody knows. But I want to <clears> be objective real quick. Just, just to spark, up, spark it up. LaMelo shot 25% from three. Lamelo, from what certain scouts say, is a is a is a lazy defender. Um, Lamelo's father is Lavar Ball. Lavar Ball is the same guy, and I and I've heard this on another podcast I was listening to. It, it's not coming to my mind, but Lavar Ball said on this podcast he personally went to Alvin Gentry. And told that man to start his son. <laughs> now, if 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 that doesn't strike, how can I put this? If that doesn't turn a team management off from Lamelo, I don't know what will. Lavar Ball has a mouth. Lavar Ball has a media presence. Lavar Ball, for sure, whatever team he goes to. 
he will have a voice. <laughs> and you already see how the reports is coming out already. The team yeah. is coming out already. That teams that's behind the Knicks know that LaMelo's camp wants to stand him. So the New York Knicks. So what do you say to the to the fans who is thinking, oh man, LeVar Ball, I don't really want to deal with his dad. Oh man, I don't really want Jello on my Knicks. I don't know if LaMelo Ball could shoot. I don't know if he could defend. I don't know if he could. What, what can you say to people that have those type of doubts? What can you I say to them to be like, look, brother, change your mind? Yeah, well, here's my take on it. Um, I can change some Knicks fans' minds just by simply saying, first off the bat, um, when he was playing down here in Australia, um, his dad, you know, he he was in the media a little bit, um, but he mainly let his son do the talking on that court. Um, it was a completely sort of different approach from LeVar to what we'd seen in the past. He was a lot more reserved, a lot more quieter. Um, he wasn't... You know, he, he did the typical dad thing, I guess you could say, at the game, you know, cheering on his son, which which you expect from a father um, that's passionate about his boys and passionate about, about their skills and, and um, how good they are or how good they could be. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I think that's where he, some people do get rubbed the wrong way or take him the wrong way. He's, um, he's just mm-hmm. got a confidence about his boys, which... You know, as I said, any any loving father that that cares or takes an interest in in their son's lives, doesn't matter what they're doing, I, I think needs to be commended for that. Um, you know, he, he, he might seem over the top. He, he's got a when he gets in front of the media, he puts that personality on. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when he came. I remember when he came into uh, what was it the WWE, and I thought, oh, geez, this is a perfect place for him because of his over over the top personality. Um, but you know, that, that's that's just Levar. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, brother. I I, I know yeah. you always talk about Lavar Ball and yeah, you know, how much he loves his son. But so continue. We're we're back, folks. We're back. Technical difficulties. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we know he did it. With Lonzo, uh, when Lonzo was coming through the draft and he was talking, 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 talking his boy up um, and, and he'll do the same with Lamello. Um, and, and there's a reason why um, I've said since I got to view him out here uh, firsthand, I think on a talent level, uh, talent perspective, he, he's, he could be better than his brother Lonzo, uh, especially with the passing game, a uh, very underrated passing game. Uh, I, I will say, yeah, I agree. One one area that people pick at when it comes to Lamelo is his defense. Yeah, that's that's an area uh, that he needs to work on. Uh, but you know, don't don't go too hard on him. At the end of the day, like I said, the same thing with Knox. And I said the same thing with Frank RJ. You know, any any young kid coming, in. you can't go hard. None of these guys can come in the league and be LeBron James straight off the bat or be a Michael Jordan, all right? That, that's just a freak of nature that comes around once in a blue moon where they can take their talents that they're showing off in college straight into the NBA and, and make men look silly. Uh, you know, some kids take a little bit longer than others. So, you know, rest assured, uh, you know, he, he's got a confidence about him and he's got a chip on his shoulder and he... he, mm-hmm. he 
you know, Lamelo has got that drive in him that he, he obviously wants to be one of the best in his position. Um, and, and I don't doubt that, uh, you know, both he and his father know his weaknesses in his game that he needs to work on. Uh, but right now, um, I'd say when when it pertains to the top of the draft point guard, he, he's yeah, you got to take him number one because he's he's outshone most of the other point guards that that stayed back mm-hmm. in college and that um, just he's just above them, uh, you know, sort of in a league of his own at the moment uh, in that regard. Uh, again, as I said, still some work in areas, but mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to his dad, yeah, I don't think you're going to get too much dramas with it. And, you know, with Leon Rose in charge now, I mean, if, if he was to get a little bit too much or over the top, I, I think they could just, you know, have a, have a quiet discussion and, uh, you know, LeVar would tone it down. Um, if, if he, if he, if he acts the same way that he acted when, when LaMelo was playing out here, it'd be all sweet. Nick's fans got nothing to worry about, um, you know, whether it pertains to him bringing any bad public because he didn't do it out here. Um, as I said, it was a lot more quieter and reserved. He, he, he did his talking initially, talked up his son, and then that was it. He let his son go on that court and do his business. Um, so, yeah, if he takes that same approach um, on draft night, he can talk as much as he wants about Lamelo, And then, um, obviously, once it gets to the nitty-gritty and Lamelo's starting to actually play games, he, um, if, as long as he sits in the stands, keeps quiet, lets his son do the, do the talking then and show what he can do, um, I think I think Knicks fans have got nothing to worry about. As I said, at the end of the day, I think he is taken the wrong way a lot of the time. He, he's just a very passionate father. That that's what I put it down. He's just very very passionate. Mm. And I'm, I'm I'm glad you said all of that because you know that's usually the first thing that comes out of a Nick fan mouth when I when I speak and all that. So it's like, well, love. Well, it's like LeVar Ball. Do you do you really trust LeVar Ball? Do you trust him not to say anything to management? And to be 100% honest with you, bro, I don't trust LeVar Ball. <laughs> if, you, if you want me to be dead straight honest with you, bro, I don't trust LeVar Ball. But what I will say is I do trust that LeVar Ball is steering LaMelo to New York because he knows his son will, he will, the pressure won't affect him. And that's the one thing that, that's the one thing that I want from my, from my point guard. I need a point guard who's not going to be afraid of the pressure because playing in yeah. New York is, is, it's a different type of animal. It's a oh, yeah. Yeah. literally bro. It's, it, it took Frank Nilakina even from last season, bro. When we was talking about Frank Nilakina. What was the constant thing? The kid got to get more aggressive. Kid got to start going to basket more. Kid got to start shooting more. He's passing up open shots. He's playing like a pussy. Excuse my language if any kids is listening. But let's be real. Frank is Frank is a great championship role player. Bruce Bowen, it ain't nothing wrong with a Robert Ory. It ain't nothing wrong with a Tony Allen. It's nothing wrong with a Patrick Beverly. There's nothing wrong with those guys. A Boris Diaw. There's nothing wrong with that, bro. So when you when you talk about a point guard for New York, your starting point guard, your starting point guard should not be Fred Van Fleet, $20 million. I don't want I, 
and I know we spoke about this before, my brother, when we spoke about the drafting of Anthony Edwards and what we get, what we throw money at Fred Van Fleet. I'm off of that train too, brother. I'm off of that train too, brother. I'm ready to say let Frank start if if we, if we in that scenario. But at the end of the day, we know Frank is not a starting point guard right now. We know that we need a starting point guard. And I want a point guard who's not afraid of the lights. LaMelo Ball is the only point guard I see that will not be afraid of the lights. I like Killian Hayes. I like him. He's cool. But I don't, I've never seen him use his right hand to do a pass, to do a layup. I've never seen him use his right hand. And two, final thing before you go, brother. I don't know if Killian Hayes is ready for that New York spotlight. I, I just don't know. No, no, so, and and, so and just, I agree. Like this is tough for me, man. I'm I'm, I'm still. And I and I know New York. Uh, I will um, just to add off of that. Um, I will. I know New York's a different kind of beast. Um, but what I will say with Lamelo is. He had quite a bit of pressure coming out here um, because he was one of the biggest signings the NBL out here had uh, signed in, in quite some time. Uh, so you know, coming uh, to the uh, to a country and playing in their in their biggest league, um, there was a lot of media. Obviously, the Australian media was following him around. Um, there, there was a bit of pressure on him to you know, oh, is he going to outshine most of these guys out here? You know, so. It wasn't the type of pressure, obviously, he's going to face in New York, but pressure nonetheless, and, and he handled it pretty well for, for a young kid. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, you know, he had cameras following him around, cameras in his face. Um, yeah, he did really well. So, Yeah, we, we, we back, man. Anchor is, Anchor <laughs> is going crazy tonight, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, yeah, as I was as I was saying, yeah, he he um he carried himself and handled everything out here very well. So I um I have no doubt that he'll be able to carry himself and handle the pressures of New York and the bright lights um, at all. I've got no concerns about that whatsoever. Put it this way, I don't see him crumbling uh, under that that sort of pressure like Julius Randle did. I can I can tell you that right now. He, he if anything, Lamelo's going to thrive off having the spotlight on him like he did out here in Australia when he was playing uh, for the Illawarra Hawks. Uh, so, um, yeah, he's got that bit of swagger. I think he's got off his father too. So that that's going to kind of work work for him as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got no worries about him handling that. All right. So, you know, we you know we got into the mellow ball talk. I, I'm just praying to God that we get that drafting, bro. Just every other day, I just think about it. I just hope that the NBA just doesn't crap on us again and and not give us a top pick. I mean, we've been waiting damn near 20 years for a top pick. I would love to have a top pick this season. I feel like we deserve it. We fired the, 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 the virus that was infecting the Madison Square Garden, a.k.a. Steve Mills. He's gone. So I feel like we ready to go. And you don't want to know what's crazy about Steve Mills, brother? We didn't even get yeah. into World Wide West. And World Wide West was the main architect of getting Grun, Grunfield, Grunwald. I forgot his goddamn name, brother. What, what, what's his name again? 
Was it was it Ernie Grunwald? Ernie, yes. Ernie Grunwald. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. him. World Wide West was the reason why was the reason why um he got Steve the boot Mills. and Steve Mills got in. Yeah. It's World Wide West is the reason why Steve Mills had got the job again back in 2014. And I would like to know I, and and another thing about World Wide West. Ever since we hired World Wide West, we're getting all of these rumors connecting us to superstar free agents, which I don't like. We're also mm. getting all these other rumors about who the coach is going to be, which it might be Tom Thibodeau, which I'm not opposed to Tom Thibodeau. I'm going to be honest with you. I I would love to have Tom oh. Thibodeau. And, and I yeah, well, from what – Go ahead. From what I'm gathering now, now that you mentioned him, um, from what I'm gathering, uh, you know, from all sorts of reports, Ian Begley and all that, um, I think Thibodeau must – it must be at the top of the list. I think he's leading the pack. All right. All right. And, and – I know he's leading the pack. I, I didn't we say this podcast segments ago, bro? I felt like Tibbs is already the coach. <laughs> so yeah. We, what are we doing all of this for? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, exactly. So, I, I, what what I think before you continue, what what I think is, I think still Leon's just going through the interview process and doing his due diligence because. Um, you, you know, it, it it is a good look because, you know, Mills kind of didn't sort of do that uh, extended approach, which, which comes off looking really good. Like, oh, okay, this guy's just took in charge and he, he's really going to do his homework before making it. He's not rushing this decision, you know. Mm-hmm. So if anything, that, that, that looks good on Leon Rose that regardless if he's got in his head, I'm still going to hire Tibbs at the end of the day. It's a fact that, He's taken the time, which 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 comes off looking like okay. He cares. He know he understands this franchise has been in the shit bin or run run into the shit bin by Steve Mills for years, and um, you know he, he wants to start. Uh, I, I guess getting better light, you know, onto the Knicks uh, from the media perspective in that you know, and um, I, I think that that that's why he's he's going the process that he's going. Um, he, as I said, he could already have, have his mind made up, but it still looks good at the end of the day that he, he's kind of drawing it out and, and, and going, okay, well, I'm going to interview this person and this person and this person. And, you know, so um, get a little bit more good vibes happening, <laughs> coming come the next ways, you know, and, <laughs> instead of all this negativity we've put up with for, for God knows how long now. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. Me and you, me and you bash Thibodeau. I know, I know we recorded a podcast. I, I think it was probably a month or two months ago. I know we recorded a podcast and we bashed Tibbs. We we both did. Yeah. And but we also gave Tibbs his props as well. We know he's a proven coach. We also know that that Timberwolves roster. Tibbs was a part of the problem, but also. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and Wolves management was also the problem. When you have a coach who's doing a dual role, I'm talking about being the coach and you're being the president of basketball operations. So that means that I got to coach you. I got to teach you the game, but I also have to trade you. That's not a good combination. And I think that's where 
a lot of it, I think that's a lot of the reason why he failed in Minnesota. And the funny thing about Minnesota, he's had a great offense, but his defense was shit every season. On the Chicago Bulls was the opposite. His offense was shit, but his defense was magnificent while he was at Chicago. On the Knicks, can he tie both of them into one? Can he make this team a juggernaut? And I would love Tibbs here, right? I would love to hear his his stone-cold voice that sound like he smoked a million cigarettes, no fans. I would love to I would love Tibbs here. My fears about Tibbs over about Tibbs playing Barrett and the kids too much. I think it was I, I'm gonna loosen that fear up because Derrick Rose was a bad jumper. Like no, he was a bad lander. Like he did not know how to land on his feet properly after going up for dunks. So I gotta blame Derrick Rose a little bit for that. I'm intrigued with Tom Thibodeau. Another guy I'm intrigued with, my brother, Mike Woodson. I'm very intrigued with Mike Woodson, brother. I read up on him. I read that he also took parts of Mike D'Antoni's offense and injected some of his own offensive system, but he still ran with the Mike D'Antoni offense. And that's true because I remember back in 2012 and 2013, I remember the Knicks damn near shooting a three every play. Every play they were shooting a three. I, I believe so. And Mike Woodson has had multiple 50-win teams. He's had a 50-win team for the Denver Nuggets. He had one for the Knicks. Mike Woodson has been around the basketball game for a long time. Mike Woodson is also um, Doc Rivers' assistant coach right now. So how do you feel about Mike Woodson? Yeah, I like Mike Woodson. Um yeah, I, I agree. Like he, when he when he was a head coach, he had um, quite a few good seasons there, um, and some fifty win seasons. Uh, I know he's respected around the league as well. Um, he, he he's been well, a long time assistant now since he moved back into that role. Uh, I, I think he would have also, um, you know, like like most coaches, learnt from any mistakes in the past. Uh, you know, he's got a good repertoire with, with young guys as well, from what I hear, uh, you know, connects very well with them. Um, so he, he'd be another, another good pickup. Uh, and, and he's been in, he's been like constantly in the game. So he, he's seen how it's, it, it's changed and, and evolutionized. Uh, so, you know, um, he could always add new things, so, uh, you know, but so yeah, he'd be a good pickup. Um. I think he'd be probably, in my eyes, in my view, he'd, he'd definitely be sitting probably number two behind Tibbs. Um, when it comes to having a look at, at, you know, obviously the coaches that they're interviewing's track records, um, you know, considering that a lot of these guys, apart from the two we're talking about, um, have just been assistants. They haven't had a run at it as a head coach, uh, whereas Tibbs and, and Woodson have. Um, so I, I think either way, um, you know, you sort of can't go wrong with either coach. The only, the only uh, and, and like we said about like Tibbs, the only kind of negative that I kind of have with Tibbs is is um, he did have a bit of trouble. I, I know in Minnesota, it's not fully on him, obviously, but he did have a bit of huh? trouble connecting with the younger guys. Um, 
and and as you and as you say, when it comes to the whole, um, you know, him and him and Derek Rose thing, um, you know that that that's again on both of them as well. Like he may have played him a little bit too hard, and like you said, Derek, um, another person who's similar to him these days, DSJ, um, they they do land uh, funky and awkwardly after their dunks. Yep. Um, so that that wouldn't have helped wouldn't have helped Derek's knees e- either. Uh, but again, uh, you, you'd think uh, Tibbs has been around the block. I, I remember back when he was an assistant uh, with the Celtics, even. Um, you know, so he, he, he's been under a lot of good coaches and, he, and he's coached some uh, good teams, especially with the Bulls. Um, and I, I'd just like to see him, like you said, if he comes onto the Knicks, put it all together, both offense and defense, instead of sort of. Um, Heavily more focused on the one one side of the ball, uh, so yeah. And, and as for Woodson, like yeah, he needs another crack at the game too because um, you know I think last time he was kind of a bit unfairly sort of dismissed in in a way. Um, some some of these coaches around kind of get a bit unfair treatment, I guess. Um, and, you, and, and when you really look at a situation, you can't sometimes just fully put it on on the uh, coach. It could be that it, it it has something to do with the playing roster that that got at the time. You know, if the playing roster is not exactly working for them, then it's not going to help them. It doesn't matter what they try and do. Um, and that was the same, like you mentioned earlier, with Thibodeau in in Minnesota. Um, it was all right to start with, and then you obviously crack started to show within playing group, and you had. Uh, uh, Towns and Wiggins getting lazy, and Jimmy going, Jimmy Butler going at them, and so that caused issues. And um, you know, T- Tibbs has a very uh, strong work ethic, uh, and I know he's one of these. Co- I mean, I know every coach in the game doesn't like to lose, but Tibbs especially doesn't like to lose, especially lose when he's got players on there that he knows what they're capable of, and and they're not pulling their weight or doing their job in areas that he knows they're capable. Um, you know, that, again, it can't really fall on him. I guess that more falls on the player. Um, and I, I think, yeah, the communication sort of just broke down there for him in Minnesota, unfortunately. And um, he, he, he was the scapegoat, I guess, out of it because Carl Anthony Towns is still standing tall there. Um, and, and Wiggins was for a while too, obviously, until that trade to the Warriors. So, um well, they both outlasted Tibbs there, I guess. So, yeah. So, it'd be good to see Tibbs get another go because we know that he is a good coach. Uh, we know if you're just going to go straight off of his Bulls teams, um, he constantly had them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, there, there was that mm-hmm. one or two seasons there. He had them close to winning the whole damn thing uh, if it wasn't for Derrick Rose going down. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a proven winner. Uh, Mike Woodson again. He's a he's a proven winner. Um, so that's what that's what we need here in New York. We we need uh, a, a coach that you know they they've gone for the coach uh, with, with like Fisdale that that wasn't tried. Now now we need a coach that's got that's tried and and has a track record. Um, and those two names I'm I'm kind of glad are at the top of the list because uh, they've got the experience factor there. And, and neither one of those two should buckle under the bright lights of New York. Um, especially, you know, Woodson's already been here, so he knows what New York's all about. And, you know, Tib- it, uh, Chicago's a big market too, and, and Tibbs handled the pressures there <laughs> and all, all the BS that came with that job, the poor bugger. Um, so, 
you know, both coaches would would be sweet in New York. It wouldn't have a drama, um, you know, putting up with the media and answering questions. Yep. I, I'm, bro, I think we both agree here. Good with Tibbs. I'm, we good with Mike. I don't, I don't really care for Kenny Atkinson. People call him a developmental coach. People say, oh, he's a good coach. But I've heard a lot about Kenny Atkinson I don't like, kind of like his game managing and his timeouts managing. I'm not really too sure about Kenny Atkinson, but I take him too. But I, the two I, that I want, though, is Mike Woodson or Tibbs. Give me either or. Yeah. I don't want yeah. no new coach. I don't want no Fisdale type of coach. I don't. I don't. I don't want none of that pretty boy stuff no more. It's time to get nitty gritty. I don't even think this is a rebuild anymore because no, no. When you have Kevin Knox who's going in his third year, when you have Frank Nilakina who's going in, his, when you have Mitchell Robinson who's going in his third year, shouldn't those boys be producing? Shouldn't they be producing, winning basketball? They in their third and fourth years. So I, yeah. I think that next NBA season, me and you, rightfully so, and we've been coddling these kids a lot, I think we got to start critiquing them harshly. I think we could give R.J. Barrett a little room because he's going into his second year. But I think Frank Nilekina, you're going into your fourth year. Knox and Mitch, you're, both of y'all going into your third year. I don't want to hear no excuses no more, bro. I, I, I don't. No, I, I don't want no. to be having this convo with and, about these kids next season. Go and he, 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 here's some here's some points with the three. This, this is what I, I I need to see. All right, Frank. Obviously, the number one thing for him when you're on that court, he needs to be a lot more aggressive and less passive. Uh, that that's his biggest thing for me. Um, when it comes to Knox, I want to see that motor ticking. I don't want to see it slowing down. Uh, I want to see him engaged, um, and I want to I want to see him taking his shots. Mitch, I just want to see him do what he's doing in training. Well, what I've seen him do in training, that's what I want to see in a game. I, I don't want to continue to see this him taking threes and nailing threes in training and and and, and dribbling the ball like a point guard and doing all this fancy stuff. Like, man, nonsense. if you got this, if you got. If you got this skill set, Mitch, you need to show up, big man, because at the moment, everybody just sees you as a guy who can only score by standing underneath the rim. Um, and we all know defensively, we all know you're a monster on defense, so th- th- there's no qualms there. But this offense that 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 we as Knicks fans, and, and, and I know I'm not the only one seeing these videos of him in practice, but we need to see this in actual game. And... and um, you know, I, I think I might be a bit more critical on him more so than anybody, <laughs> only because it's just it's just annoying. You know that oh damn, he can he's got this a part of his game. Oh, he's got that mid he's got this mid range too. Or well, why isn't he showing it off? Like you know, don't yeah, be scared. It pisses me you off. Don't be man. scared. And this this is this is why I, I need somebody a, a vet on the team. That's gonna do, and I've said it many times before because it worked. So it's got it's got to work with Mitch. You know, Jimmy Butler made that bet last season with Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo hadn't shot a three, right? Was too scared to shoot a three, and so Jimmy turned around to him and said, "You shoot one three every game. If you don't shoot one three, at least take one shot. 
you got to pay me X amount of dollars, right? <laughs> so someone needs to turn around and Mitch and go, look, I'm taking X amount of dollars out of your paycheck, buddy, if you don't start <laughs> shooting mid-range, one mid-range and one, one free per game. And then, you know, so slowly working yourself up from there because um, yeah, someone's got a lot of fire under that boy's ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Especially Kevin Knox, man. I'm tired of I'm tired of arguing with people on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook about and I'm standing for this boy and I'm arguing with people saying, yo, his defense got better this year. His passing got better this year. And people telling me, oh, he's trash. He's garbage. People don't really recognize that he played less minutes after Mook was traded. The kid played less minutes than last year. His usage, his usage rate went from 22, I believe, to about 17. So he yeah. got the ball less in his hands. He's not really integrated into the offense. It's just, this year was just a bad year. It, it, this is going to be the lost season for the NBA. Yes. Yeah. This was a, yeah. just scratch, scratch the whole season off for Kevin Knox. And, and, and like I said, with, with Knox too, and Calipari would say the same thing. He, his confidence got knocked all the way down and, 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 you know, knocking the confidence out of a young kid. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all, and 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 it showed on the court, even in the less minutes. Um, <clears throat> you know his his play. I, I thought was better at the start of the season, and then yeah, when the confidence got knocked out of him by Fisdale for whatever reason, um, you know his uh, production went right right out the door, so to speak, and um, it hurt him. Uh, so I, I expect a big bounce back year. From him, especially if he's getting the minutes that he needs, yep. um, yeah, he, he's he's got to come out. He's got to come out with a chip on his shoulder and, and a point to prove, and prove all, all these doubters wrong. Uh, come back as a bounce back year, as I said, and and make people forget this season um, because yeah, he, he needs it. Uh, we we all know, and and Calipari talks about. He's got the talent there, and um, when he when his confidence is switched on and when it's high. That's when you're going to get the best out of him, and and um, including his motor as well. Uh, he's just got to be included, um, and I and I'm glad he's from what I've read. He, he's got a very close bond uh, with RJ since they drafted RJ, and uh, I'd like to see them on the court together a lot more. To be quite honest, I think they could um, complement each other. Um, so yeah, that'd be good to see as well. Yes, it, it, they, as we noted. Whenever the vets played, it was getting smoked. Then the kids come in the game, they fight, they get back in the game. Usually about five, they, they cut the lead to about, cut the other team's lead to about four, three points. The vets go back in, they start getting smacked again, and then they put the kids. Like, this was a recurring theme this whole season. Yeah. The kids yeah. play well and, together. Frank, and, Knox, and, Mitch, RJ. Yeah. Another reason I'd like to see Knox paired with RJ more is it's only going to help Knox's motor. Now, I see this in the sense of like a little competition between the two because you see how RJ's motor is. He just doesn't stop until that final bell, you know. So Knox, that kind of will rub off on Knox if he's playing alongside of him. Um, And I, I think that that could drive Knox like, Damn, RJ just keeps going and going. Well, I'm going to keep going and going and going too. Like, I'll keep up with this boy, you know. So 
and and RJ with with his personality and I'm I'm going to go as far to say even for such a young guy he I've already can see leadership qualities in RJ I saw it at Duke um, he he could help Knox in that regard um, and because they're close off the court as well um, it's only going to be beneficial for Knox to to be pairing him more often with um, on the court with RJ. Um, I think RJ could help him and bring out, uh, you know, more of his game. Uh, just just like it, it worked at Duke with, with RJ and Zion, how they complemented each other and brought out the best in each other and kind of had little competitions going on between each other, which therefore drove both of them to be, you know, better on that court. So that that's why I reckon it'd just be a major, major benefit to have Knox alongside RJ on the court at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I, whenever they played together during the season, I was like, yo, these two really mesh. And it's never a, it's my turn, it's your turn. Like, I never get that feeling. Like, I, 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 get, I, get, no. the feeling, I get the feeling that... Yeah, I, I get the... I get the feeling that I get the I get the feeling that Knox and RJ loves playing together. My fault, my coworker, he he he, he bothering me, but I get <laughs> so I get the I get you know I, I get to realize that Knox and RJ is both they're both great players and I mean great players. They both complement each other very well. And I just want to see them continue that. I want them to see. I want them to continue that motivation to help each other win. I want these kids to be here for the long haul. I want Kevin Knox. I want Mitchell Robinson. I want everybody to be here for the long haul. So you know, it's you know, it's up to it's up to Kevin Knox and it's up to Mitchell Robinson in order to. It's up to it's up to Kevin Knox. It's up to Mitchell Robinson in order to. Become great players. They they have to become great players. They have to become guys who help the team and, and become two way players. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm, they, I'm just ready. I'm hoping that these kids can they, help us win. That's all I'm here for, man. Yeah, but both but I will say both need to realize their potential because they ha- they both haven't realized it yet how good they can actually both be. Um, and when they do, um, yeah, look out when, when they do realize just how good they can be. Yeah. Hey, I've said it many times. Are are they going to be on a superstar level? Like, like I believe RJ is going to get to no, but they could be just underneath that. And that's okay. Still, you know what I mean? Like that you, you always say, um, you always need good role guys around the superstar to help that superstar win a championship. You know, you, you, no team's going to ever have a whole team of superstars. So, you know, um, you you go back to, as I said, like Jordan's Bulls and you had guys, good role guys on there, like your Luke Longleys and your Steve Kerrs and and your Ron Harpers. They weren't superstars, but one, they were good enough to get in the league. And two, they helped their superstars on their team and they won championships because they played together as a team, as a unit. Um, and, and and you need those guys. So that's that's what I see Frank becoming, a really good role guy that's going to help a team, um, especially on the defensive end, win a championship. 
Um, Mitch, once he fully unlocks his offensive arsenal, which I know is there, he's just got to realise it's there and, and have the confidence to unleash it in a game. Um, hey, first few times you might do it, you might miss your three-point shot. You might get blocked. Right. In the, you, you, you know, he might get blocked on his first attempt from mid-range. That's, that's all good. It's the fact that, you, that, that, that you've attempted it, so now you can get over that mm-hmm. hump. Okay, now I can adjust to how they're coming at me for this. Okay, right, I'll, I'll, I'll take this approach. So that, that's the only way he's going to get the confidence to bring it out and get better. Um, and that the same goes with Knox too. Um, you know, don't don't be scared. Just just take it out, and eventually, you know, it's all going to work for you. It's all going to fall into place. You know, you you got to take. Brother, you gave me a great idea, brother. I didn't mean to cut you off. You gave me a great idea for our next podcast. Gave me a great idea. I want to talk about role players next podcast because I think we need to like. Highlight how important yeah. role players are. I, I I think we I think that should be the next podcast. Or or if it's not the whole podcast, I think that should be one of the main oh, yeah. subjects of the podcast. For, for sure, like, that that's why uh, you know, I'm, I'm, like I'm saying now, the Nick fans out there, you know, you you just look at that Bulls dynasty. It wasn't just Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, like that. They played as a team. They worked together as a team. You know, you you, you still needed. Um, you still needed players in there like a Steve Kerr that could pass the ball to Jordan once he got to his spot so he could take his shot. You know, you, you still needed the team to play defense. Mm-hmm. You can't just expect Michael or, or Scotty to do all the work. You know, so they, they had some good underrated guys, um, you know, and, and these role players, a lot of the role players, they don't get the recognition that they deserve when, when the teams win the championships because usually the superstar does when – you know, Michael Jordan got most of the accolade back then. And just like when Kobe's Lakers, were, it was all about Kobe, you know, especially after Shaq had left. But you had, you know, you had guys on, on there like your Pau Gasol and uh, other guys that, that, as I said, are, are great players. They just, 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 just don't get the media mm-hmm. recognition that, that your superstars of your Kobe's and your LeBron's and, even even LeBron, like with his championship, he still needs role guys. Can't he, he? He didn't do it all by himself. Still need role players. You know what I mean? So and and then Cleveland, what he had his J.R. Smiths and his Aman Shumpets and Deliver Dover, you know, and these guys are just scrappy guys, you know. But you know they help they helped him out and uh, you know worked as a team and it worked paid off. So. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, the importance of, of role guys on a team, it, it, it's very significant. Um, very, very significant. That, that, that yeah, we definitely got to talk about that. I, I guess we got into everything. Um, you know, any, I guess we got into everything. I know next podcast, we go, we go, because I'm at work right now, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, about to get off break right now and go finish the rest of my work. So, you know, I had to get, I, we had to get a podcast segment in tonight. I, I could not wait no more. I definitely wanted to talk about a lot. So, I guess we got to know mostly everything for now. Well, any last words for the people before we get out of here, Mr. Mitchell? Yeah. Um, I will say on on our next podcast, um, one other subject we, we'll get into because we'll have a bit more time, obviously, is uh, all this trade talk that we, you know, um, you, you dabbed on it earlier 
a little bit, uh, you know, with all these big names from uh, uh, Devin Booker, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. now Damian Lillard. Um, so there's a few inst- interesting stories out there. Obviously, like I said, they're just all rumours at the moment. Um, so that, it'd be interesting. Uh, hopefully by the next pod, we might have a bit more news or something may happen. We don't know. So, uh, yeah, it'd be intriguing. Um, as for everything else that's going on with, with the Knicks, um, yeah, it's about damn time, isn't it, folks, that, that we're in a more, by the looks of it, more stable place uh, with, right. with a good, stable leader in place uh, who has the right connections. Um, he, uh, Leon Rose is respected, uh, unlike Steve Mills. <laughs> yeah, so that that's only going to be beneficial. From from here on out, I think slowly but surely he's he's finally going to turn New York back in into a a free agent destination where where everybody wants to come because they can look in now and and see that there's a lot more control um, and a lot more stabilization in the front office, uh, which which helps and benefits any team trying to attract free agents, mind you. Um, and yeah, I, I think we're only can only go on the up and up from here. Um, now, now obviously the main focus in reality is uh, we need to nail down the coach and need to now make sure we make the right choice there. Uh, as I said, whether that's Tibbs, whether that's Woodson. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I only can look forward to a brighter future, obviously. And um, yeah, I just I, I think none of us can wait till uh, the NBA actually gets back, just so we can start watching some basketball again. 